0: You are listening to the sermon podcast for Bethel Covenant. We're an evangelical covenant church located outside of Ellsworth in western Wisconsin. I'm Todd Speaker, the pastor here, and you can learn more about us on our website, Bethelcov.org. Thanks for listening. So First Kings 18, grab your Bible, turn it there, grab a, a pen or a pencil to write in your Bible or take some notes or, or whatever it is that is your practice. Um, we'll be getting there in in a moment um, as you as you turn there um, many of you know this uh, But when I was in college I was a waiter for like four years kind of on and off in the summers and in and in different times and if you've never worked in the service industry before um, You might not know this but you know There are just there are times when you're waiting tables when things get really busy right and of course, you know It's the dinner rush uh, We call it um, being in the weeds and it means you're busy it means uh you know there's just a long list of stuff that you have to do and if you're like me uh it's really fun but you're also stressed out because you're forgetting stuff and i remember um when i was at at the restaurant i worked at when i'd get really busy it would happen every time you'd you'd get done taking an order from a table and nowadays you know everybody just puts it on their cool tablet or whatever we had to write it down this is back in the day Uh, you write down that order and i am I'm not a good rememberer, so I wrote it down well, but I'm still worried I'm gonna forget. And as you're walking back from, from the table who just took an order, every table you pass, Grabs you and says, "Hey, uh, can you grab me, um, you know, some more ketchup? Or hey, I could use a, another drink. Or hey, can I can I have that?" And of course, you know, I'm I'm just trying to be a good waiter, and so I'm stopping. Okay, yeah, and I'm like putting that in my head. And I'm thinking, "Oh man, there's no way I'm gonna remember to do all the things that I just said I was gonna do." But I'll tell their I'll tell their waiters, you know. And so you get back, and you put the order in. We had these little computers we had to tap the orders into, and it's like, okay, now what did they say? Because you don't want to look like the person that can't remember fill up a Coke. Like you don't want to write that down because people are like, "What's this guy's deal?" Um, <clears throat> but it gets really stressful, right? And so you get back, you put the order in, and then like, you know, I, I don't know what it was at the restaurant we worked at. There were like four of the servers were uh, ladies who were like four feet tall. Um, that's that's an exaggeration, but they constantly needed me to grab things off high shelves. So you would get back and it'd be like, "Hey, can you grab me that?" Oh, hey, Todd, can you grab that? And so you're just you're just getting pulled in every direction. And whenever I think back to what it was like to be a waiter, um, it was it was just everybody needs something from you, and everybody needs it right now. And and, and that's that's kind of what it's like. And then you get back to the table, and they're like, "Where have you been? Come on, our food." And he's just like, "Oh no, this is a good thing. It wasn't a good fit for me, as you can tell." Um, <laughs> but it, it reminds me. I, I think um, many of us live our lives like that. Um, Many of us walk through our lives responding to to every single person or thing that crosses our path. You know, you're you're headed one way to get something, and you just get hit by um, by just distraction after distraction. You know, uh, whether. You know, it's it's like how we're thinking about the world, and like so, you wait, like we talked about, right? You wake up in the morning, and that news story or that change or that whatever grabs your attention, and now you're like stressing out about, well, how do I respond to this? And and what did this person? I can't believe this person said that. Uh, or maybe you know, we're chasing different priorities, different values. Uh, maybe you're running after the, the latest news story, or or hashtag, or, or whatever. Maybe um, in our world, is, it pulls us towards this. You're reacting against everything that you either agree or disagree with, right? You see that thing and you're like, oh yes, I have to be like, yes, 100% or "or no, you're a monster, you know, and, and we just get pulled into all those directions. And we're just like, um, poor, poor Todd, you know, you're trying to do what matters most, but everything just keeps getting in your way. You know, maybe it's a relationship and your friend um, is, is going through something and so you're carrying that or, or you read that thing and that story's bothering you, you don't know what's gonna happen with this, so you're just, you're carrying all these things. You're running in, all these directions you know you're letting um nobody but me does this but you're letting right that person that said something to you and you don't like it and so you're letting them live inside your brain for a week you know like rent free um because you're just so whatever um and it, it's amazing because you know the question that I have especially during this time this highly anxious time this highly change oriented time where every day there's a new hero and a new uh, villain uh, in our personal lives in our worlds how do we focus how do we disconnect from that because it's not that all that stuff is totally unimportant some of it's really important right so how do we find uh, what matters most when every table we're passing need something for us from us or or every time we you know we pass that family that they want another cup of ketchup and then we've got to live our life uh, for that thing how do we find what matters most when everything is calling for our attention and priority and importance well um that's i think what this uh part of of kings is is about or maybe a small part of it i think elijah is going to give us an example um he paints a very different picture of what it means to live life than I think, the picture that most of us use. Um, he paints a picture very different than, than the table waiter running from one need to the next need, to the next issue, to the next problem. Uh, he gives us a picture of what it looks like to live like Elijah's name, right? And remember, if you were here last week, Elijah's name is, is a combination of two words. It's El, um, which, is, which is short for the, the ancient Hebrew word for God, like, uh, like lower, lowercase g, God. And, and Yah, uh, which is the beginning of the ancient Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And so Elijah's name means my God is Yahweh. And so he, uh, his whole life is a picture of what it could look like to live your life like that's true. Uh, not like you're a waiter that's trying to please every single table you pass or deal with every single issue that comes across your face, but but what it actually means to have a focused life built around one thing, that the ruler of the world and the rule of your life are are the same, uh, and and it's really important because ancient people um, they were a lot like us. You know, we always think, oh, you know, people have changed. People don't people don't change nearly as much as you think. And you look back. at... You know at some of these stories and, and it's hard to understand what's going on in their lives but uh, they're a lot more like us uh than than you might think uh, most people in the ancient world you know today um you know when you talk about faith when you talk about god the question is do you believe in god or not right is is god real or is there no god you know those are kind of the two choices today in the ancient world Uh, They didn't ask that question at all Uh, in the ancient world. Everyone presumed the existence of God Uh, And the real question was the vast majority of people in the ancient world believed that there were many many gods uh, All over the all over the world Um, and we call this polytheism They didn't call it polytheism They called it the way the world is and and the way that ancient people came to this understanding was you know, they got up in the morning and um, and the crops weren't growing and and then a storm came and and rain uh, watered the crops and they said okay who's in charge of the clouds well somebody's got to be so maybe there's there's you know I'm in charge of my farm I till my land Um, maybe there's somebody else who's running the rest of the world or or they might uh, encounter some other force like every force every part of nature uh, had a had a had a life to it had a What do you call that? A person to it, a direction to it, a a god, an L for it. So so in the ancient world, almost everybody that lived around Elijah's day believed that every force, every place, every idea, every thing had had a god connected to it in some way. Um, And what you would do if you lived your life in the ancient world was you would make sure to pay tribute to the gods that you needed something from. Right. So if you were a farmer you made sure to pay tribute to to Baal, the god of rain and storms and fertility. And if you didn't, you might notice that the rains don't come. That's, that's what they believed. Or, or if your crops are doing bad and there's a famine or whatever, you might say, okay, we've got to get busy praying to Baal because Baal has decided he doesn't care about us anymore. Uh, and so our scripture today Is a conflict between that understanding that the world is full of gods that are all kind of doing their own thing and we can kind of influence them through offerings to make our lives better and then on the other side um, Elijah's belief Elijah's belief is uh, that Yahweh his God is God above all creation uh, above all above all gods uh, is how he would have said it Um, so either there's a whole bunch of gods and we've got to collect The ones that we need at the time it's kind of like a swiss army knife um you know okay i've got to make sure Baal's happy i've got to make sure the god of fertility is happy if i'm you know getting married i better make sure the god of of marriages is happy the 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 fates are happy whatever um if i'm going on a trip you know if i'm going to go through egypt i better read up on who the gods of egypt are so i can please them as i go through so i get safe travel so there's kind of that collection mentality polytheism and then elijah's uh world which is uh, God is the God of everything. Yahweh is the God of, of everything. And, and that's kind of the radical argument that uh, the Bible makes. Uh, so in the ancient world, everybody, almost everybody believed in that pantheon, that all these different gods with all these different ideas, and they all needed to be pleased, except for the people that produced the Bible. Uh, that's one thing that's completely unique about about um, this book is that in the time it was written, it was written by um, really the only group of people that dared to claim that there was one God. Um, far above and is the source and creator of all the heavens and the earth the Bible uh, argues radically radically for the opposite right so where the world says add to your collection please more tables make sure everybody's happy with you uh, the Bible argues the opposite there's there's one God he's the source of everything he made the heavens he made the earth he made the natural forces that that God chose a people uh, and he chose this people uh, named Israel and he wants to use them to bless the whole world but uh, if you read the Old Testament you know that the the chief uh, conflict like if the Old Testament was was a was a TV show the thing it'd be constantly talking about is whether or not Israel is gonna keep believing what it says that it believes about God or if they're gonna get worried and look off their neighbor's paper and say well but the crops aren't growing, so maybe I should worship Baal too. Um, and, and throughout Israel's history, it's it's rare that they would abandon um, Elijah's god, Yahweh. Um, mostly what they did was they just said, well, of course we're going to worship our god, but we also got to worship some of these other ones too. Um, yes, of course, Yahweh, but also when it's a dry season, let's worship a little bit too let's add him to our collection and so that's kind of that that back and forth question and so Elijah's life is um, is dedicated to telling people you uh, you don't get to do that uh, God doesn't want you to do that God wants you to worship him or worship somebody else he, he doesn't he doesn't want to be a part of a collection um, uh, he wants to be the Lord alone. And so Elijah is, is going to show us, he's going to show them what it means to take all those other forces and ideas and gods that are vying for our attention, our direction, our lives' uh, work, and, and not combine them with, with Yahweh. And let Yahweh stand by himself. Because when you keep choosing the Lord alone, and this story comes up throughout the Old Testament, you'll notice every time God's people choose Yahweh alone, God shows up in ways that defy explanation. And so so here's that's where we're at so uh, this verse is at the very end of yeah yep all right perfect so eight chapter 18 um, and we're gonna we're gonna skip around a little bit um, but it, it starts off at the beginning and it, it says you know God says okay time to go talk to Ahab remember Elijah started got, the rain stopped it's been three years and God says okay Elijah it's time to talk to Ahab the rain is coming back um, and so if you skip down to kind of the end of verse 16 um, <clears throat> It says Ahab went out to meet Elijah And this whole story is worth, worth reading There's a lot of interesting uh, stuff that happens But uh, when Ahab saw him he, explained, he exclaimed So it really is you, you troublemaker of Israel And so Ahab has been adopting the worship of Baal And a few other gods in addition to the worship of Yahweh And so when Ahab sees Elijah, Elijah's been saying, don't worship Baal. It hasn't rained for three years. And so from Ahab's perspective, Elijah has made Baal mad. That's why there's a drought. That's why there's no water. And so Ahab says, it's you, O troublemaker of Israel. Ahab's been trying to kill Elijah all this time. Um, But Elijah responds, I've made no trouble for Israel. Um, It's you and your family who are the troublemakers. For you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord And have worshipped the images of Baal instead you you added Baal to your collection because you were worried right Um, and now Elijah says this he says now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asrath, that's another God who are supported by Jezebel Uh, so Elijah sets up a meeting at Mount Carmel. And again, Mount Carmel is, is in the heart of Canaanite Baal worshiping territory. So so he says, bring all of the prophets of Baal, all the prophets of Ezra, all the people of Israel to this site uh in, in these mountains. And normally, uh, if you look this up, it's worth it. Uh, Mount Carmel is just, it's just a beautiful, lush mountain, right? It gets tons of rain when things are going well. And and it's kind of that desert bloom, like it's just green and gorgeous. But of course, it hasn't rained much in three years. So it's it's this like dead, dry, desiccated place that's supposed to be beautiful. Like, right? It's like those pictures of, of New York City during the lockdown, where normally it's just like packed with cars, and now it's like deer walking across the street. That's, that's what Elijah's walking into. Um, and he's got all his enemies. And so it's funny, Ahab does it. And you'll notice this throughout this story. If you read the whole chapter... Every time Elijah sends somebody, they always follow his instructions. It doesn't make any sense. Like Ahab's the king. Elijah's the troublemaker. Ahab could have just like, you know, taken care of him right, right at that moment. Um, but, but he doesn't. Instead, Ahab starts taking orders from Elijah immediately. Uh, but, but we'll continue. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Talk about Elijah's power over a king to get him to do all of that. And again, if you, if you look through this whole story, you'll notice that, that despite the fact that Elijah's the enemy of many of these characters, they're always following his instructions. Uh, the king's servant follows his instructions. Later on, the prophets of Baal and Azrath, they jump when Elijah says jump. It's really, really odd, uh, even the people of Israel. And so, so here we go. The story continues. Verse 21, um, Elijah's standing now, Mount Carmel, right? Dry desert. Miserable, Isn't it sad? This is supposed to be a beautiful place. And he's standing there, and there's a big shrine to Baal right here. And we'll find this out later. There's a shrine to Yahweh too, right? Because they're collecting gods to worship. They're collecting. We want to make sure all of them are happy, pursuing all of these threads, all these leads, getting ketchup for every table so that everybody's happy, right? Um, And so Elijah stands there. There's Yahweh's altar. It's looking pretty run down, though. And he says this. He says, how much longer will you waver he's saying this to everybody gathered between two hobbling between two opinions and in, in the hebrew it's he's taught, it, like the image is like a bird jumping between branches and a tree like how much are you guys going to say yeah 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 yahweh but, but but also baal you know how much are you guys going to jump between the two he says if the lord is god follow him if baal is god follow him And his response is one of my favorite responses in all of Scripture. He says, okay, here he is, Elijah, one guy by himself, okay? Everybody else, the prophets of Azarath, the prophets of Baal, the king, the people of Israel who presumably um, worship Baal and Azra,th in addition to Yahweh, there's one guy who's causing everybody a problem, and he says, okay, here's your chance. Choose Yahweh or choose Baal. Let me know what you think. And it's and it's silent it says the people were completely silent so that means that you think about this this kind of group in our day right there's no person in that whole crowd that says you know what you're right Elijah I choose Baal right the, the king doesn't show up and say you know what you're right if we take care of you our problem is solved the king called him the troublemaker of Israel the the prophets of Baal don't say You know what you're right we choose Baal nobody makes a counter argument nobody moves in either direction they've got the chance he's right here 950 prophets the king all the people of Elijah standing at Mount Carmel in the heart of Canaanite territory if they don't come back with Elijah nobody notices and I I have to say if I was the king I don't know that we would have continued this conversation right it's Baal country but for some reason everybody uh, it's crickets, no response, nothing. Uh, and the reason I think is, part of it is, they're 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 hedging their bets still, right? They don't want to choose between Yahweh and Baal. They want to follow God, but also get catch up for all the tables. And and it hasn't rained for three years, and I think they all have this little part in their mind, this nagging thing that says, but, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we're right to worship, but what if Elijah is right? Uh, they would much rather not choose but but collect but bring him in Uh, why can't we follow Yahweh and Baal but here's Elijah he's troubling everyone he's forcing the confrontation he says you can't be this and that together they're convicted are they're convinced uh, they're convinced that they can keep their collection Um, and that awkward silence continues and in that awkward silence you can see Elijah uh, just waiting okay Listen, if you ever had a, like a tough conversation with somebody and instead of responding right away, you just stop talking to like think and then they get uncomfortable and start trying to fill the silence with like, that's what, exactly what Elijah's doing because it's just getting super awkward. Uh, <clears throat> and so finally Elijah says, okay, well, if you're not going to choose, I'm going to show you the difference between having a collection of gods and following Yahweh. Um, so he lets the idol collectors go first right? And so the first four verses, or in, in these four verses, a few things jump uh, right off the page and and reveal what happens when you are a collector of gods, when you're running to bring ketchup to every table. Um, it says this, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, another example of them just listening to him, right? He says, you go first. There are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. That's the deal. We're each going to we're each going to sacrifice an animal, we're going to set up our altar, and we're going to see which god shows up to bring fire down to the altar. That's, that's the challenge. And so they do. Elijah says, jump. They say, how high? Uh, they prepare one of the bulls. They place it on the altar. And then they call on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, right? So the day starts, starts in the morning, and they're shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there is no reply of any kind. All right, so they first, ah, Baal, all right. We've worshipped you. Come on, bring the fire. Um, nothing. So so then they danced. Okay, maybe we need to dance. And so you can imagine all these people gathered. They're dancing, hopping around the altar. Um, at, at noontime, so now at morning, noon, Elijah's been sitting there, and he says, uh, he starts mocking them. <laughs> there's, anytime somebody mocks somebody else in the Bible, it's, it's just extra funny. Uh, he says, maybe you guys should shout louder. You, know, you just picture he's kind of leaning against like the Yahweh all the time. You never do that. Probably sitting on the ground. Hey, guys, maybe he can't hear you. Surely he's a god. Oh, maybe he's lost in thought. Maybe he's daydreaming. Or, or maybe uh, he's re- relieving himself. Maybe Baal uh, had to take a break. He went to the bathroom. I promise he'll be right back. Just give him a few minutes. You know, he's, he's making fun of him. He's giving him a hard time. Uh, maybe he's away on a trip. Maybe he's asleep and, and needs to be wakened, Elijah says. He's, he's taunting them because it's clear that nothing's happening. And so now the priests are getting extra anxious. They're getting extra worried, right? Things aren't happening. And what do you people do when they're trying to make something happen and it's not happening? They work faster and harder, right? Okay, maybe we're not working hard enough. And so they followed their normal custom. It says they, they cut themselves with knives, and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but there was still no sound, no reply, no response, because often when you're uh, trying to please the collection, you're working so hard to make something happen. Oh, maybe if I just uh, work a little harder, maybe if I just do a little more, maybe if I just add a few more activities maybe if I cut myself then, then God of, uh, God Baal will hear me but there's still nothing no sound no reply no response as you listen uh, through that story it, the things that it just jumps off the page to me uh, when you follow idols when you worship a a collection you're driven by fear right they're driven by fear their whole lives are dedicated to anxiously reacting to everything. If you live your life trying to follow everything that tries to have a claim on your life, you're running from person to person, from table to table, right? When Elijah says, uh, do a sacrifice, they're like, well, we've got to show Elijah, so we're going to react against that. We're going to do a sacrifice. And when, when, um, when somebody else says, oh, maybe you should have done it this way, they say, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it this way instead, you know, they're driven by fear. The second thing you notice with this group, this group of 950 people, they rely, when you're worshiping idols, you're relying on strength in numbers. You're saying, well, there's a lot of people that think like me. There's a lot of people that agree with me. They make up for their lack of power by working extra hard, don't they? As they're trying to make something happen, as they're trying to make fire come from heaven, they work extra hard following those gods to make something happen. anxiously working every angle, cutting themselves, screaming, dancing. They're working for their supper rather than from God's provision, aren't they? So they continue. They're shouting, they're shouting, they're shouting. Uh, No reply, no response. It's dead silent. And now it's evening time. And so keep in mind what's happened so far. Keep in mind what's driving their actions. Keep in mind what it looks like to chase after Idols to collect priorities to try and make sure you have everything and then elijah's going to show us what it looks like to choose one uh, So keep that in your head uh, and so here's elijah all by himself Verse 36 says at the usual time for the offering of evening sacrifice. I love that. It's like Okay, you guys have had your shot and oh man look at the time. It's time to offer sacrifice to 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 Yahweh and, and look at how Elijah acts in comparison. It says, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar. Oh, and I'm actually going to take it, take it back a little bit before verse 36. Um, before verse 36, he, he gets up and he starts rebuilding his altar, right? It's all run down. And so Elijah grabs, he grabs 12 stones and he repairs the altar. And, and imagine that contrast. People are literally cutting themselves with swords. And Elijah is picking up rocks, setting them down. Picking up rocks, setting them down. They're screaming and wailing. All the people are going nuts. Picking up rocks, setting them down. When he finishes the altar, he prepares the sacrifice, and he has uh, people pour 12 jugs of water on top of the offering. He wants to show that it's really God at work. And so, so again, uh, meticulous, just one at a time. This isn't this isn't crazy. Okay, get another jug, pour it on the water. Put another jug, pour it on the water. You know, they're screaming. They're cutting themselves with source. Here's Elijah, pour another jug on... On the fire and so finally it's done and then finally so he finishes building the offer the altar he finishes pouring the water on it the bulls ready to go and and like I said look at the time time for evening sacrifice right it's it's whatever it's church time um, and so Elijah walked up to the prophet or walked up to the altar and prayed O Lord God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob this is the God that was the God of our ancestors that shows us prove today that you're God in Israel, and that I'm your servant. Prove that I've done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me, so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you've brought them back to yourself. Where the uh, the collectors are driven by fear, responding and reacting to every new development as quick as possible. We have to fix the problem. Elijah is utterly. Unafraid, he's utterly non-reactive. He's waiting for the one voice he needs to react to. While they're bringing ketchup to every table they can imagine, Elijah's listening for his Lord's voice. Um, while they rely on strengths and numbers, Elijah is able to stand alone, not dependent on the approval of others. He turns tunes out every voice except for God's right we see this right here is painting us a picture of what it looks like to believe that your God that Yahweh is God the sustainer the creator at work in all of the earth um, While well they make up for their lack of power the collectors make up for their lack of power by working really hard Elijah is calm and deliberate it's easy he picks up the rocks he lays them down he just does what he needs to do that day it's clear that Elijah is working from an abundance given by God that we learned about last week, that supply, that jar that never empties while well, the prophets are, are doing everything they can to get something. Um, so, so here we go, right? Uh, um, you know, I know if it were me, I, if I were Elijah, I'd be a little worried, but he's not worried because God has taught him who, who he is. And finally, where, where the gods in our collection uh, let us down, Elijah, uh, Yahweh shows up in ways that defy explanation. As soon as Elijah prays that prayer, and hopefully he got back to a safe distance, because immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven, burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. And if you remember um, what we learned about Elijah's name, in the Hebrew, it sounds like they're saying, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. Yahweh is God. Yahweh is God. I think oftentimes we default or we start collecting idols because we think that if we don't add those things on, if we don't pursue those leads, if we don't run after everything, um, we might be wrong. We might lose something. I think we collect idols and become collectors because we're we're hedging our bets. We don't want to be disappointed. Yes, I know. God can take care of me, but I better make sure that I'm uh, pursuing this as well. You know, we we wind up doing everything. We wind up running around, exhausting ourselves, chasing idols, Uh, collecting idols, keeping our options open. makes it feel like we're going to be secure, but the truth is that we're just going to be tired. Because when we try to follow uh, God and something... We're always uh, working doubly hard. We're always missing the point. If we follow God and our work or God and our family or God and our entertainment or God and our politics or God and our comfort or God and our popularity, as we pursue those things, as we run to every table to make sure they have enough ketchup on it, we miss the one that matters most. We do this because we think we'll be taken care of. If we, if we deal with all these things, if we solve these problems, I mean, we think we'll be able to solve our own problems. But the reality is, is that we're called to start at the source and let everything else be powered by and flow out of the provision and power of God. The, the evil one wants to think we're better off not choosing between God and other things. He wants us to think we're better off with God and a normal life. But just like the prophets of Baal, our collection of priorities or gods will never deliver the life they promised. They will let us down every time. We're invited to choose who will serve. Because 2,000 years ago, the one God sent his own son to live and die and rise again. We're invited to put our faith in him alone, in him only. We're invited to choose the one who chose us before the creation of the world. And so as we stand here, as we sit in our homes, as we sit here in church, as you sit in your homes today, I believe Elijah is speaking to us through thousands of years in the Scripture. Throughout history, he's saying, How much longer will you waver hobbling between two or five or ten loyalties and opinions. If Jesus is Lord, follow him. But if your collection is Lord, then follow him. Today I want to invite us to not be silent before Elijah's words. We're invited to choose, again, the one that will serve. And, and oftentimes, um, a, a good practical way to do this, and I've been doing this as I've read this story this week, reminding myself, when you wake up in the morning, ask yourself, who are you going to serve today? Uh, am I going to serve Yahweh or am I going to not answer the question and just serve the first thing that comes in the door after the next thing that comes after the door after the next thing that comes after the door? I invite you to choose that in the mornings, but, but also to, to choose that today. Uh, would, would you pray with me? We have an opportunity to lay down our idols and choose the one who chose us. Father God, God alone, It is so easy to convince ourselves that we're better off taking care of ourselves. It's so easy to convince ourselves that if we just get a little assurance, if we just add a couple more things uh, to our priorities, if we just worship you and we'll be better off, we'll be closer to our family, we'll, we'll have a more successful career or whatever our goals are, but Lord, you invite us to rest in the life of having only one master. So we confess, Lord, that we've sinned, that we've chosen other gods, that we wake up in the morning and instead of making sure our priorities are straight, we chase after the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth thing that run through the door. Help us to root us in you. Lord, we believe in your son, Jesus, that he came and lived and died and rose again, and that because of his sacrifice, we can be set free from our sin and our divided loyalties. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, I pray that you make us new and remind us who the one God is. In your name, amen. Because we're invited to choose uh, the Lord because when we keep choosing the Lord alone, God shows up in ways that defy explanation. We go from being driven by fear and what-ifs and possible outcomes to being planted in faith, non-anxious, unafraid, and non-reactive because we rely on an unsurprised God to hold us. We go from dependent on the approval of others to standing firm and in relationship with others even when we disagree. We stand on a rock so solid it makes the... Shifting movements of the tectonic plates look like a sea in comparison. We move from anxiously trying to control every outcome to calmly following God's call. We move from striving on our own strength to relying on God's. That is the invitation of the gospel, and He offers it freely to us. Let's celebrate that together. I'd like Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.